Web3 with me is a discussion style podcast about the ins and outs of Web 3.0, hosted by Zach French, known as Off Edge in the verse. From crypto to NFTs, DAOs to DeFi, we cover the abstract philosophical promises and the new business models enabled in this new decentralized world. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or watch the show on YouTube. Thanks and enjoy. Zach French is a bar certified attorney and nothing expressed by Zach during Web3 with me shall be considered legal advice. All the opinions expressed by Zach and his guests are solely their own opinions. All content in Web3 with me is for informational purposes only. Zach and his podcast guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed during Web3 with me. Welcome to episode one of Web3 with me. My guest today is Alon Miller, otherwise known as Alon.eth in the verse. Alon is an independent brand strategist for Web3 companies. Over his career, he's founded a venture-backed company, run a design studio, and advised dozens of founders on all things product and marketing. Most recently, he started a strategy team at Twitter, helping product and design leads reimagine key initiatives like misinformation, DMs, and communities. Alon is also a contributing member at VectorDAO, a decentralized collective of the best designers in crypto dedicated to making magical internet money easier to use and understand. Alon's work has been featured in numerous publications, including Forbes 30 Under 30 and Consumer Technology. You can find him on Twitter at Alon underscore Miller. LFG, baby. Time to start vibing. Could you give us just kind of like a Real quick, brief uh, intro to who Alan is. Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name, my name is uh, Alan Miller. I am based in Los Angeles, California. Um, I came up um, career-wise in the agency world, really understanding how to um, to service unique insights and be able to take those unique insights in order to be able to design different products. Um, so started in the agency world started building my, my own projects and one of those popped and ended up um, raising some venture capital around that. Um, and really now combining those, those two experiences um, as, as a consultant, really helping product and design leads, helping them tell their story and use that story to, to, to build products that, that people love. That's awesome. That's awesome. What a cool, cool job and how, how relevant for this. Let me ask you, I think the most pertinent question whenever we're talking to anybody about uh, Web3 is, is how did you go down the rabbit hole? So what was it? What was the inflection point where you decided, hey, this is something I want to pursue uh, you know, heavily and put your ex- experience and resources towards it? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So, I mean, I remember back when I was building my startup in 2013 and 14, hearing about this thing called Bitcoin and hearing about this thing called the Silk Road. And it was always, always kind of um, not exactly what I was working on, but always kind of knew, knew about it a little bit. I had some friends who were, were dabbling in Bitcoin and, and experimenting over there. And it wasn't until my friend Grover really, really told me about Bitcoin and Ethereum, maybe around 2016, 2017, um, leading, leading up to that run up, um, where I really started doing some research I, I think this is right around when when Trump got elected president and just the, the, the macro environment kind of made sense as this this idea of a reserve currency and what what does that mean? And, and consensus was launching and people were starting to build dApps and stuff on, on ETH. And that, that was really kind of the, the beginning of, of me just paying attention and starting to uh, learn, learn by doing a, a little bit. 
I would say that that was pretty much it for for a long time, like most people, right? Like it was it was kind of this this pipe dream for a little bit. I think this this promise of of everybody having a seat at the table and being able to invest rather than the the small group of select insiders and investors was always appealing to me. But with the the rise and fall of the the ICO boom, it kind of seemed like this big giant get rich quick scheme that that really wasn't going to necessarily go anywhere. I would say fast forward to about 2020. Um, I think the macro environment had really changed. I think some um, technology, uh, uh, technological enablements have happened. And now I think the, the writing on the wall is that actually this is more than a fad. This is more than a get rich quick scheme. This is this really exciting opportunity of, of incentives getting realigned and the internet getting redesigned and just being able to um, be at the forefront of that is, is super exciting. Pretty awesome. What a, what a great story. I think a lot of uh, the world out there, even no matter how committed they are to this, could relate to that because, I mean, the first real information boom where you would start to see people talking about crypto on a regular basis. For me, it was an Uber driver uh, <laughs> that actually said, hey, man, you heard of Litecoin, right? And I'm like, interesting. Of course, I'd heard of cryptocurrency at that point. But from an investment standpoint in 2017, I didn't have anything, right? It sounds like you did a little bit of light investing then though. Yeah, a little bit of light investing almost to help me pay attention, right? To have a little bit of skin in the game to be able to go to different sort of um, digital experiences and see like where the friction was, right? Like as somebody who cares a lot about UX design, that's that's kind of always been the uh, the rub when it comes to, um, to, to cryptocurrency that... Um, there's there's a promise behind it, but it's hard to be able to experience. So I, I think the best way is just to, to really learn by doing. So I've I've really been dattling since around 2016, but it, maybe around 2020 or so, it was when I got a little bit more serious about it. Now, what were your thoughts when you, like, what were some of the first gaps that you interacted with? Do you, do you remember any of them back then? Yeah. So I, I remember buying my first Bitcoin on, on Coinbase. Um, and to be honest, I don't remember any necessarily huge gaps, um, just as much as um, really understanding what this thing was and why it's valuable. A lot of people kept telling me that it was valuable and that I should you know, start, start dabbling in it, but I didn't necessarily understand why that I would listen to these podcasts of people talking about like, this is exactly what you need if like the world comes to an end. This is basically an insurance policy. But at that point in time, like the world didn't necessarily seem seem that bad. Um, but it's really been interesting over the last few years of, of different um, either governments or different things that we took for granted that we would trust. Now, necessarily, some of that trust is starting to erode. And then I think the, the narrative and the need for, for something like Bitcoin or another reserve currency is, is now starting to, to have a moment in, in the zeitgeist and popular culture. Yeah, that, that, that brings up a really, really good point. And that is like... Now we've gotten to the point where, I mean, to us, people that are in it every day, it feels like everyone is ready to go, but like, really, where is adoption, right? Like, are we early, if you will? I mean, I always like to say I am because that puts me in a better position, right? But like, how do you feel about like this current maturity level of the industry having now been in it for a, a little while? Yeah, I, I think that's a really great question. I, I think it kind of brings me back to like one of my core beliefs about the space. And that's that's 
easy to use starts with easy to understand, right? So this kind of brings brings us back to the point, you, the, the question that you asked earlier of like what didn't necessarily make make sense in terms of how to use these things. And I think it just the, the use case wasn't nearly as obvious as it is today. And I think five years from now, I think um, people will start understanding how these things fit within their lives. And I think that's that's starting with what's happening right now, right? With what's what happened in Canada with the truckers and and um, the Canadian um, government seizing seizing different banks. I think what we're seeing happening right now in in Russia, right, with um, basically the the whole world protesting Russia, and probably for good good reason, but seeing how they just froze froze Swift and and what what that looks like. So I I, th I think the narrative and, and everyday people, um, whether it's friends or family, people who would never necessarily even thought of cryptocurrency and how it necessarily um, relates back to their life or now, the 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 story is starting to become a little bit more obvious of of how this thing might might necessarily be be at least a good small percentage of your portfolio, even if, if you're not necessarily um, knee, knee deep in it like us. Yeah, it's interesting. It's You've mentioned it now twice, but the, I guess, biggest bull case, okay, if we could characterize it as that, is almost always thought of as dystopia, right? Um, so it's like, you're rooting for the thing because you feel like the thing in this instance being web three crypto, whatever the, the, the blockchain, the technology that is enabling this, but a lot of the situations that make it more valuable actually involve like complete devolving of what we know as legal structures and what we know as nation states, I know you've heard me talk about this a lot and I'm sure, and we've talked about it together, like virtual nation states, citizenship across this. I mean, it's just the, the, the bounds are endless, but I mean, I can't help but always think in the back of my mind, like, I really hope we don't get to the point where it's dystopia. I hope, I hope there's another path there. Yeah, one one hundred percent, and it, I, I think it comes back to the the question that a lot of investors ask themselves when when establishing a position, right? Of like, why now? Like, why why is now the time for this this thing to to have a moment in in culture and in society? And I think that why now story is becoming clearer and clearer every day. And yeah, plus one, I'm right there with you. Hopefully, um, the world doesn't necessarily have to end, have to end for these things to become valuable. I think people are now just seeing the the, the need for something like this, um, just in case something were to happen, so they'd at least have a uh, an escape route to to be able to um, to have an alternative. Uh, I'm going to pivot a little bit because I want to make sure that when we're doing the podcast that we're evangelizing the space, right? Um, I want to make sure that we're educating and that everybody can at least understand and enjoy the conversations we're having. So can I ask you, when you meet somebody who, you may, they may have heard of crypto. I mean, you got to live under a rock, not to heard of crypto, but they don't know what Web3 is. They don't know what NFTs are. How do you describe this, this world to them? Um, I'd be really interested to hear that. Yeah, that's a really big question. And I guess it would depend on, on who, who I'm talking to and what I'm trying to explain. I think the thing that gets me most energized, like I'm, I'm a brand guy, right? Like that's what I do for a living. I, I build brands and um, I, build, I build stories. And I, I think that the, the narrative that I'm most excited about is that people can start playing on the same team and that that all of a sudden um, evangelism is part of the business model 
of, of these, these business models that are getting remade on Web3 versus these big platforms just necessarily owning everything and necessarily using um, its, its customers in order to build a business. And like, there still is a value exchange there for, for quite a long time on Web2. Um, like we, we know and love some of, some of our biggest platforms that are out there today. But I think this, this idea of realigning incentives and giving everybody a piece of the pie and how does that potentially change the, the vibe of the community or change the vibe of the business or change the vibe of the platform. And I think that's what the two of us are starting to taste and experience and can't get enough of. And that's what I want to bring to as, as many people as possible. So it sounds like if I could summarize, it's, it's going to affect everybody differently, right? Um, from the people you talk to, to the people that you work with in the future. But in sum, you're now dis distributing like autonomy in a way, right? To people and allowing them to participate at a level that they've never been able to participate at. Um, I guess how we get there will be interesting, but we know that the basics are possible, right? One, one million percent. Yeah. Hit the, hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. So where are you spending your time now? What I'd love to hear a little bit about like where you're, you are interacting with web three, where you'd like to be interacting with web three. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think what has me so excited about Web3 is it, it kind of intersects with my, my superpowers and what, what I do for a living. Um, so where I see the most opportunity to be able to help um, Web3 brands and businesses is to, to really help them um, tell their story. Um, so people can, you know, wrap their heads around how, how this future technology is relevant to their lives today, which, which is a pretty powerful thing. So I'm, I'm doing that both. Um, I'm, I'm very involved with um, a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization uh, called VectorDAO, um, which is this um, collective of designers from um, all over the internet. Um, some specialize in, in Web3, working at places like Coinbase and, and Uniswap and, and some of the best companies and protocols. Some are coming from, from Web2, um, such, such as myself. And we've really all teamed up together in order to help build some of the um, the best Web3 brands and, and products that, that are out there and really taking what, what we know best and really trying to, to solve for, for some of these, these usability and, and understanding problems that, that are out there. Um, so both doing that with, with this DAO and then, and then on my own, really, really just trying to help, help these companies um, build, build the next great generation of brands. Yeah, what, what is the role of brands uh, in Web3? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And I, it's something that I've been thinking uh, a lot about that I think as the world becomes more decentralized, like story is starting to, to have a moment, right? When, you're, when your code is forkable, when your code is open source, then you know, if, if anybody can, can really just you know, mimic what you're trying to do, um, some obviously easier, easier than others, I think your, your story and your why and your mission um, is incredibly important. It, it really becomes your mode. It's what um, gets people excited about what you're doing. Um, and, and really, I see brand and, and communities being the moats in, in a decentralized world. What was the difference? Like when you were doing brand and communities in Web2, right? Not as much community, but the idea, like, what was the, what, why, why is it more important now than then? I think it's really important for, for both. Obviously my, my bias is, is <laughs> you need uh, a job. <laughs> I, I, I think a, um, uh, 
the, the way I think about story and the way I think about brand is it's, it's really a company's um, internal operating system, right? And where, where I think it's, it's incredibly impactful in Web3 is if you want to get a decentralized community of people to be able to follow you, they have to be aligned around a common, a common thing and a common goal. And at least in my experience is the, the, the kinds of companies and the kinds of DAOs that have a really clear North Star of this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Here's how you can plug in to be able to help us get there. Those are the kinds of brands and those are the kind of communities that are having a lot of success, right? And Web2, like those things are obviously incredibly important, but in a more centralized top-down uh, environment, you don't necessarily need those in order to be able to move forward. I still think in order to scale effectively, like those are incredibly important, but I think, I think in web three, if you don't have that, um, it's, it's really hard to get off the ground and be able to find, um, product market fit. It's a condition precedent. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas, whereas before it's, it's something you focus on that's important, but you know, you, there are plenty of industries that we can name that don't really have to focus on brand, right? The way that a Web3 company requires it. It's almost like, it's almost like the brand is intertwined with the culture, right? Yeah. 100%. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting, the two of those coming together. and Well, because if, uh, if we think about it, right, it's like yeah, if you're a decentralized company, and you have anywhere from a dozen to a few hundred, if not thousands of folks who are part of this community, if everybody has their own interpretation of why they're there and what they're trying to do, and even if they're the best in the game and what they're trying to do, if they're executing and all going in different directions, the ship isn't necessarily going to go very far, right? And that's where I think the power of brand and the power of story is really being able to unite people around the shared purpose, give a lot of clarity and context of where they fit in. And those are the kinds of um, decentralized communities that are moving light, light years ahead of, of, of everybody else, right? I think if you take a look at, at Yuga Labs and what they're doing and the chess moves that they're making, they have such a clear idea of where they're going and why and what they want to be able to do with it. And they've been able to do more in the last 12 months than everybody else combined, right? And I think that's that's really the power of uh, uh, a really compelling North Star. Yeah, and just you know, for the audience here, Yuga Labs is uh, the owner or creators of Board Apes Yacht Club. Currently, the most valuable NFTs I think out there in terms of the profile picture, all of the animals. They also recently purchased the rights to CryptoPunks and uh, MeBits. And I, this was a, a couple months ago, I believe they signed up with CAA. So they, they had a mission that they, they realized that this brand, like all of these brands in order to be, or all these decentralized or uh, communities in order to function, like there is a very large communication slash media component, right? Because you could have a great brand, but if nobody in the community knows what it is, then you're kind of screwed. So they get somebody like CAA, I mean, legendary, right? Uh, to come in and it just seems like they're hitting on all cylinders, even the, the ape token launch. So they just launched a token to all of their holders of either board apes or a secondary collection that they had called mutant apes. Um, it, like that was not done quickly. That was done in an organized fashion. They wanted to be buttoned up legally. I signed up for the land drop. I had to pretty much give away my first born to get approved. 
<laughs> like, I mean, I don't even know what I'm signing up for, to be honest with you. But <laughs> I just know it's something related to board Ape, so I'm in. But I was, I was sitting there taking pictures of bills. I don't know the last time I did that. So they are doing it the right way. And, you know, I think for the overall, if you're looking at that as an indicator for where all of these communities are going, you're probably not right. But it is a great model, right? You also have to be somewhat original in it. I mean, you like, so you, you talked about Vector DAO. Uh, Vector DAO is a creative agency DAO. Is that the best way to describe them? Yeah, it's 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 a, a decentralized collective of of designers in in, in crypto. Um, but yes, probably si- similar structure in terms of how we work. Uh, if if you're looking for an analogy compared to to an agency, um, but structured slightly differently. So you've got them, and then you've got these NFT communities. Are there any NFT communities that you're particularly interested in? Um, I would say very lightly. Um, like you're, you're definitely the the NFT uh, collector, uh, collector and expert of of our crew. Um, I am very interested and curious about the potential of of NFTs. I've been following them really closely. Similar to when I was um, buying a little bit of cryptocurrency back in 2016 and 17, I bought into a couple of projects just to to kind of play to learn a little bit. Um, but I would say I'm I'm more of an observer and a learner than than necessarily an active participant. But you do, like, I guess, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but the the value of NFT communities, I mean, it's pretty, wouldn't you say that kind of overlap with DAOs? I mean, in a lot of ways. One, one million percent. I think it's, I'm just less active in NFT communities than necessarily um, some of the the other Web3 communities that I'm in. But there's there's plenty of like promising projects that I think are really awesome. I, uh, one of the coolest parts about being in this DAO is working with, some of the the most amazing creatives and, and artists in the Web three space um, who have built projects like Companion in a Box and Watchface World, um, and it's just so cool learning like like watching them work their magic um, and having a front front row seat at that in terms of how to be able to to build a community, engage your community, um, and and what something that like that looks like. Yeah, so you're still watching. What what other ones are you involved in in terms of uh, Web three communities? Yeah, so I, w- I would say VectorDAO is is where I spend 90, 90% of my time um, and then um, experimenting in, in some of these, these NFT co- communities here and there. Um, I also live live in Los Angeles, like I mentioned at the beginning, and we're just coming off of NFT LA week. Um, and it's been so energizing actually meeting some of these folks uh, <laughs> IRL and going to either uh, different happy hours or different dinners and just really hearing about what, what other people are working on um, and just how energized they, they are about the space. Uh, that's pretty cool. The it, one of the big, you know, I guess discussions in this space is anonymity, pseudonymity, stuff like that. So to go and meet some of these people that you may only know from anonymous or you know Twitter in person, what was that like? Yeah, it um it was pretty awesome. And to to be honest, I th- I think this is one of the things that has me most energized about Web three. Not necessarily because I think it's the way, but just because it's so different from the way I think and work, which is um just really intellectually stimulating. Like so, for an example, I went I went to this dinner this week. And um, a few of us were going to take a photo and one person preferred not to be in the photo. And it turned out it's because they they are pseudonymous online. Um, and I just thought that was was completely fascinating of this this person who's a, a really active contributor, um, just prefers not to have their, their face on the Internet, which I, I totally respect and, and think is awesome. I met another person at, at this dinner who is working on voice avatars to give people in the metaverse what, whatever kind of voice they want um, that's that's out there. 
And the, the example that he gave was that imagine if you're, you're gaming and you're playing a game and you're playing with a 10 year old, like maybe that's not the, the kind of vibe that, that you're trying to look for when, when randomly getting paired with somebody on the internet, yeah. uh, which again, is somebody who's not necessarily a gamer, I didn't necessarily think about, but the, the ability to be whoever you want online for a number of different use cases is not something I fully wrap my head around, but it's like that, that that's why this is so fun because none of us know what the world is going, going to be and what it's going to look like. So getting, getting to interact with these folks and really getting their point of view is, is tremendously energizing for me. That is so cool. So I want to drill in on the, the pseudonymity because that's a conversation that we come. You actually wrote a piece in, back in, I think it was like August of last year sometime. Uh, we talked about it then. Uh, and you, talk, you allude to the fact that pseudonymity is almost essential to making this happen, like what the pseudonymity and the digital wallets, how do they play? How do you think they'll play together to make Web3 more successful or less? You know, what is your kind of opinion on that? Yeah, for sure. So I, I think digital wallets are fascinating for a number of reasons, but I, I think first and foremost, this ability to be able to um, design experiences and reputation on what you do versus on just what you say. I think we've all followed people on Twitter who are thought leaders and share a lot of information, but their their credentials don't necessarily back them up. They're not necessarily the right people to, to, to be giving advice. So this idea of um, being able to tell your story based on what you do, not just what you say is, is very, very exciting to me. And one of the things I'm trying to figure out is if we in a world where we have different wallets, right? Like for security purposes, for um, identity purposes, for for all these different purposes, like how are all of these different wallets and how is all this data necessarily going to to play together? Are we going to have different identities in different places, and are we going to kind of pick and choose depending on where we are? Is there going to be something to bring it all together? Um, like I still use my name on almost everything for my for my ENS for my ENS name to my Twitter handle to my personal website. And one of the things I'm starting to think about is, is like, do, do I create an alt and do I just start experimenting with that? And what would I feel comfortable saying on my alt versus what would I feel comfortable saying on my, my personal, uh, via through my personal brand. And I, again, I think this is just one of those things that I'm, I'm really curious to, to learn. And I've also started following some, some anonymous accounts on, on Twitter where you definitely get a, a level of, of honesty and truth that you might not necessarily get from an everyday person just because they're scared of, of, of getting canceled or saying the wrong thing or what, whatever it might be. It's interesting. So you've got to, uh, just to rewind a little bit, you've got a trustless technology in blockchain, right? Which is creating uh, a... I mean, it's not even directly creating the fact, I guess it is. Okay, so let me rewind for a second. For those of you that are not familiar with digital wallets, a digital wallet is not actually pegged to your identity. It can be, but when you go download a common digital wallet, like MetaMask is the most common one. Rainbow is another one that uh, I believe you use a lot. Um, it's just connected to your web browser and you get a set of uh, private keys, basically, uh, in a seed phrase. And so you can then access that by accessing your wallet, but you aren't signing in as Elon Miller, right? You're signing in as the owner of the wallet. That's pretty much it, right? But because of that, you've got a more honest view of how people use their wallet. And what are they using it for right now? 
They're investing with it. They're speculating with it. They're joining communities with it, right? They're creating through it. So you're seeing just like what one would consider some sort of tangible actions by these people and the wealth of, I guess, just transparency that comes from that. I mean, that's, that's magical. <laughs> one, one million percent, right? Like if, if, Facebook started with the, the, the friend graph, right. And if interest had the, like has the interest graph it's there's, there's this new graph that is starting to emerge that I don't necessarily know what is going to, what it's going to be used for, but it feels like some sort of powerful social networking, either profile or data source or graph is going to emerge from this. That is going to be extremely compelling and that I think we also have to be very careful that is used for, for good as well, right? Like, I think that's one of the, the, the things that we, we really learned in Web3 is that if used for the wrong way, um, it, it could potentially not necessarily be used for, um, for the public good. Yeah, let's, let's drill into that because, you know, my whole pretty, philosophy... Pretty dystopian, huh? I mean, I don't want to go dystopian as much as I want people to be aware of the risk that is associated with this. Like this is like they're the risk matches the reward in my, in my mind. Right. And there are really like, what I see is like two main barriers to entry here. There's one to get over the hump to participate, which is the security and the autonomy um, that you're giving somebody. Right. And a lot of people might not be comfortable with that just flat out. Never. Right. Like I always want someone to be my custodian, if you will. Um, which is totally cool. But with that level of autonomy, obviously in, in our seats, we see that as an advantage. So you got to get over that hump. You got to learn how to get a wallet. You got to learn how to buy the cryptocurrency and transfer it to the other wallet and sit there and click and wait for it to go through on Etherscan or another one. And <laughs> maybe your heart starts pumping really hard. You got to go through that. And you also, once you get in, you could get scammed, right? It's not, people I think confuse the security issues during like while participating with blockchain issues as opposed to those are user issues, right? Every, almost every single hack that you hear about in the space, it's related to uh, someone clicking a link they weren't supposed to click. So some sort of phishing email or DM or something in Discord, or it's related to uh, someone wanting a really good deal on an NFT, may or may not have happened to me almost, uh, and thinking, yeah, sure, I should totally give you my seed phrase. No one ever needs your seed phrase. <laughs> Let me say it again. <laughs> no one ever needs your seed phrase, but you, right? And maybe one trusted confidant for security purposes, but no one online for any community, for any crypto purchase, for anything Web3 is ever going to need it. How do we get people to feel comfortable with that? Do you see anybody attacking that specifically? Like, it's just so it, it is it's hard to stomach uh even for me but like what about for new people yeah i i think this is where the power of, of brand and value proposition come into play right so so one of the things i i think about a lot even in in the web 2 world is this idea of a 10x value proposition right that 
that people it's, it's people don't often ch- like try new things and change their behavior. And that often you have to give them a, a, a 10 times more compelling reason to, to be able to, to do so. So I, I think the same thing holds through, holds true in web three that like, we're still in the infrastructure space that's uh, uh, phase. Like there's been some promising things that have started to evolve and started to emerge, but hopefully over the next 12, 18 months to the next, you know, five to 10 years, we're going to see some really, really compelling experiences where it's worth the effort to go and set up a wallet. It's worth the effort to go and try these things. I think to date, the reason to buy Bitcoin, the reason to buy Ethereum, the reason to try some of these new new and evolving apps that are out there just haven't necessarily hit uh, everyday normal people maybe the way that they've they've hit us so to me i think i think it's more of a a value proposition uh problem and then i think there's the the usability of the the wallets themselves and it feels like everybody everybody in consumer or at least consumer web 2 is now building a wallet so i have full faith that um better usability is, is on the way, right? Like Jack is working on this at, at Block. Um, I think they just announced recently that they're building um, a new hardware wallet that takes your fingerprint and you you scan it in order to, to, to open it, which I think um, is really helpful when it, when it comes to the security. Um, yeah. So I, I think all of the building blocks are starting to, to come into place and that hopefully, um, you know, like the, 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 if, if we're still in the MySpace phase, hopefully the, the Facebook is, is coming soon. Um, and that I think is what's, that's, that's really what's going to get people to, to move over in droves. For people that don't remember MySpace, you're okay. <laughs> no, it, it, had, it was near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. I think a lot of people love the music component of it, but obviously Facebook went out and, and that front. Um, super interesting. Um, so... Let's talk a little bit about uh, the future. Um, we've kind of talked about where we are, right? Kind of talked about what we're doing to contribute, but like, where do you see this going in the next? I mean, it seems like a lifetime to say five years in this space. I've, I've been in it for a year. <laughs> I feel like I've been doing this for 10 years. There's so many stories, so many peaks and valleys. Everything's just kind of condensed in terms of the cyclical nature of the industry. But like, what is what is Elon's, you know, five-year view of, of Web3? Yeah, that's a it's a really great question. Really big. Let let me let me start, but feel feel free to um to, to help guide me if I'm if I'm getting a little too crazy here. So no, I no, get as crazy as possible, please. <laughs> so I, I I think this, one of the things that has me so energized about what's happening is this these new communities that are able to form and be empowered and be able to do things that never have been done done before. So like one, one of my favorite examples of, of a DAO is this DAO called Crosshouse, right? And like their whole purpose is they are like, they want to buy an NBA team. So they're forming a DAO and they've raised money and they are building the, the infrastructure and the narrative in order to be able to, to one day buy an, an NBA team, right? And then be able to, to, to manage it through decentralized governments uh, in terms of like how to go about running the team in the, the most effective way. So if we think about that, like I'm a NBA obsessed, right? Like I, I wanted to be a sports agent when, when, when You're I grew up. You're a big Atlanta Hawks fan, right? No, no, Orlando Magic fan. <laughs> um, but, it, but for the listeners, you did have the Atlanta Hawks dancers at your bar mitzvah and they, they should all know that. That was, that was pretty legendary. And I was doing this dance back then too, baby. <laughs> so... Um, 
I, I think the, the opportunity now where like before you had to be um, an extremely wealthy individual, right? Like probably a billionaire, probably running in uh, particular circles in order to, in order to even have a shot at doing this. And imagine the world five, 10, 15, 20 years where actually people who care as much as anybody else, if they put in the work, if they form the community, if they create a compelling proposal, like they can have a seat at the table. And I think that's just totally going to change the game in terms of what is possible. And, you know, the, what's the famous saying that like the, the biggest things start out looking like toys, like right now that looks like buying an NBA team, but like, what, like, what, what is the, the future of that? Can people buy a, a country, an island? Like, um, could they form a government? Can they form a nation state as you're, you're talking about? Can they form like the, the, the most powerful nonprofit that like does the, the most good in the world? Like that, that is what I'm interested in, in, in seeing is like now that incentives are getting realigned and it's becoming easier and easier for people to, to work together. What can we now do when we find like-minded people on the internet who believe what we believe and like, how do we get after that in the most impactful way possible? And like that to me is what, what has me really, really energized at this point. So let's drill in. I mean, I think, like you said, there's an NBA team, like you alluded to, maybe the constitution <laughs> was almost purchased by a DAO. Um, a great story. Uh, if you guys have not checked out that, it it reads like a, a Netflix movie, the evil hedge fund billionaire steals it from this group of people that I think took five days to raise $47 million, <laughs> right? Um, you've got these, but it also leads people down kind of like a slippery slope, which is like, everything's better as a doubt, right? Um, and maybe that's the wrong framing from someone who I know is one of the best framers. You know, what is the best way to frame for someone who says, I know web two, and for, for those who use web two, it's just normal life, I guess, <laughs> like all the software you interact with, um, kind of like the uh, read, write, centralized control of the internet, right? Um, but like, how, what is the framing that will allow the, the web two folks to move into web three, right? Like without overestimating, maybe the NBA team is not a good model, right? That's possible. I hope it is. That sounds really cool to have the fans, as long as you have qualified people as well, uh, running that team with the right plan in place. But like, how do you frame the opportunity itself in order to show what might change? Is it a business model A becomes decentralized or is it a business model A becomes business model B because business model B is a more efficient way to get to the outcome. Yeah. I, I think it totally depends on, on what we're talking about. Right. So I, I think different, different use cases um, require different framings and, and have different, different opportunities. I think certain in certain environments, decentralization is, is really healthy and really powerful and does a, a lot of things. But oftentimes, like decentralization isn't necessarily the answer to everything. I think, you know, decentraliz decentralization today is probably going to be very different than decentralization five, five years from now. And I think all of this right now is just an experiment in terms of what works and what doesn't work. If you were to ask 10 people what a DAO is, you would get 10 very, very different answers. Like, I don't even think there's alignment around like what the definition is there. And I don't think anybody could tell you like... Uh, with 100% confidence, or at least I can't, if a DAO makes sense or a DAO doesn't make sense. I think we're in the phase right now of 
we're trying a new model. We're trying it down. We're seeing what makes sense and why it works and why it doesn't. And we're iterating from there and we'll, we'll see where it goes. Like every, everybody loves this term, you know, web 2.5. Like, I think that's where a lot of us are, where we're, we're taking, we're taking the promise of web three. And I think web three gives us all a lot of hope and it solves a lot of things that had maybe frustrated us over the years. And I think we're taking baby steps towards, towards that. Like very few things are fully decentralized. Very few things are fully web three and fully successful, but like we are in the, the building block stage right now of trying to, to get in that direction and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work. You know, I think maybe 5% of what works today is what's going to be what we're using 10 years from now. And that's just part of the fun part of, of being along for the ride and, and trying to build the future. Yeah, it's interesting. It, you're starting to think about like, what is the infrastructure that will change? Right. Uh, I just finished up a, uh, book called the internet of money. Uh, it was and it touches on the fact that, um, currency will become an, purely an expression of who you are possibly right in this space. So you've got like, Again, a culture reference, right? Like who you are is your culture, right? That's your personal culture. That's the cultures that you're going to seek out, right? Like this, it's so interesting to think about. Like, I, I don't even know how to put like kind of like a, a, a bow around this, but it's, it's almost like you can't just make, uh, you can in a lot of instances make incremental steps, but to think about what will be maxim, maximized in web three you almost have to rethink the the perspective, right, of, of what it is, right? Like, I'm looking at this as like, hey, I can go from this type of organization to this type of organization, right? But what does that create as a result? <laughs> uh, one of the most interesting ones, if I could make a plug, you're probably wondering who that cute fellow is above me. Uh, Beans uh, is a hard fork of a, another Beans DAO is a hard fork of another DAO called Nouns DAO. Um, they don't have a business model per se, but they do have a way of allocating capital that is unlike any structure that we've seen before. And they've got a lot of it. They feel like $70 million in ETH right now. And the way they do that is they issue one NFT a day. 24-hour auction, whatever it goes for, goes to the treasury. There are some nuances. The founder team gets every 10th noun, doesn't interrupt the auctions or anything like that. But that's the type of thing that's just been, the perspective's been changed, right? And they do have a, they do have to have a common goal. It's not like they just got together and like, hey, what do you like? <laughs> uh, especially with that kind of, of funding and some vocal people like Punk4156 uh, being the founders. And that, that is just ubiquity of the IP. And what is the IP, Elon? Is that the brand? Is the, do you feel like the IP is the brand? Is that a fair uh, assumption that really they just need ubiquity of the brand? I think in the, the, the case of nouns now, and it sounds like beans now, one, one million percent, right? And I think the, the brand is more than just like those cool glasses that, that they have or these, you know, the, the eyes and the, like, obviously it looks cool, but I, I think it, it stands for something a little bit bigger. When I think of nouns, I think of, um, what is it, the, the, the CCO um, that, you know, at, at the time that was, that was completely novel to, to be able to, to take um, your branding and be able to give access to, to anybody. So anybody can create merch or anybody can, can really use that and, and, and profit off of that. Like that was such a big and novel thing that I think that's like part of where they developed so much brand equity so early. 
Um, so I think it's, it's things like that, that isn't necessarily just the visual layer of the brand, which is obviously what we emotionally connect with, but it's the, the underlying story of, of how they're uniquely different compared to everybody else. Yeah. And, and, and going back to the transparency, uh, and pseudonymous lifestyle there, a lot of their leaders are anonymous. Most of them are pseudonymous and everything that they vote on is public. So I actually went through this morning uh, just as like a, an interest and look through their proposals, right? You can see what they're spending their money on. Like you don't get that kind of purview. Try looking at a 10K, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you read a 10K and your head hurts after one page, right? And you aren't really being told much, right? Yeah, you get the numbers. I'm, there is a lot of information there. I get invest A lot of investors read those other thing, but like... Think about if you could go through and have some sort of transparency into a company about every executive decision that gets made. Is that going to make you more likely to, if you do agree with what they're doing, get behind a brand? I think so. Yeah. One, one million percent. Like uh, what, what we always used to say in, um, when working in agency life, um, was uh, brand isn't is more than just what you say. It's what you do. And I, I know I mentioned that, that earlier when, when, um, uh, talking about the the power of of, of the wallet um, versus maybe the, the way social media works today, and I, I I think that's so true, right? Like like that's actually where brands are made. Like brands that say something and then don't necessarily act on them, they lose trust immediately. Nobody nobody necessarily um, it's 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 just you know it's just words. Um, I I think that's what uh, what Jack <laughs> Jack was saying over the summer on on Twitter, right? When he when he got in that that war with the VCs, right? Words words, right? It's like if you say something, you don't act on it. Nobody going to take you seriously yeah let's let's dig into that what, what exactly was going on there um it's a good question moses uh, back back over the summer um i think the, there was just a, a little bit of beef between um um some of the, the the early bitcoiners um versus some of these other projects that were were backed by by vcs um so seen as less being less centralized or more centralized than than the 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 promise of of web3 um, projects such as Solana that, that have a lot of really famous, um, VCs on their cap table, which some people who are more decentralized maxis kind of look, look down upon versus other people who, you know, like trust these people and the credibility of these, these people see it as, um, see it as a positive. So it kind of depends on, on which angle you, you kind of look through it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I, I remember reading a packy piece. Uh, I think it was right after all that had gone on, maybe Scott Galloway had called him out. Um, what a clown that guy is um, about, about this, uh, basically regurgitating nothing. But there was a separation that he brought about. And it was, it was a, a very transparent debating technique, but it really resonated with me, which is that like Web3 is not only about decentralization. It's what decentralization can enable for sure. But there's got to always going to be some centralized components, right? I mean, there's just certain things that are need to be centralized uh, in a way, right? Well, 100%, right? And I, I think it really just depends on who you ask. And certain people, um, I think, have really strong convictions and opinions around what, what the spectrum looks like. I think um, the two of us through our conversations have, have kind of 
have a shared understanding of it, it, it is a spectrum and there is gray area and it doesn't necessarily have to be all one or it doesn't necessarily have to be um, all, all another, but that doesn't necessarily make for a good tweet. That doesn't necessarily make for a, um, a, a good soundbite that's going to get everybody uh, energized and, and fired up about. So, and I think it comes back to this idea of like the, like web two and web three aren't necessarily two completely different things that there is a spectrum um in, in between. Right. And I think like there's, there's goal posts on, on each side. Um, but I think, I think it's healthy for people to take incremental steps to be able to go from, from web two to web three and not every business should be a web three company, like at least not yet. And today, right. Like maybe that's different five to 10 years from now. I think there's a lot to love about the, the, the promise and the business model and the alignment of, of web three. Um, but I think if, if every company was a Web3 company today overnight, like I think that would get pretty messy pretty quickly. And it, it's not necessarily the, the world that we want to live in. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, you, you don't want to force it ever. And I don't think even when we were, you know, I think one thing that would probably help is um, think of like Web3 is the term that we use because it's, it's not, it's, it's easy to loop in all of the stuff that we are interested in. Um, but ultimately what you're basically saying is this is a, a new version of, of a internet almost, right? Like a block, like a, a, sorry, a network is probably a better word than an internet, uh, a new version of a network that is enabled because of blockchain and ledger distributed ledger technology. Right. Um, so yes, there is stuff. There's a lot of stuff in, in the web two world, um, which is probably the tech world that everybody's so familiar with. Um, uh, that's, that's what we're really looking at there, but web three, I mean, this is, um, it's everything from what we're hoping for, which is like a, a new way of life almost, right. Um, to, you know, speculating. And right now there's like this whole movement of retail investors having the access to invest is now becoming like a much bigger thing. Um, you've got, uh, now we've kind of worked through the kinks of like the Robin hoods and, and, you know, people are getting onboarded investing. I remember talking to, uh, my 16 year old cousin and he's like, yeah, I'm on Robin hood. I'm doing this thing. And like, I think that, mindset that that access is going to lead this newer generation, the Gen Zers and whatever's after Gen Z to come into this world of web three, having been experienced from that side. And all of a sudden it become, doesn't become that big of a deal. And it just, you can focus on what, like how you can build businesses that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. One, 100%. The, the way I, like to think about web three is it's, it's more of a philosophy than anything else. Right. I think, I think we see different products and we see different use cases and I see how um, they're applicable and in, in other areas. And like, that's, that's what has me so excited about this. It is a philosophy around alignment it is a philosophy around collaboration. It's a philosophy around decentralization um, and it's a philosophy around ownership. Right. And I think like at the intersection of all of those things, like it unlocks certain things that don't necessarily work today or aren't necessarily possible today. 
And um, I, I was working with somebody who basically said Web3 is hope. And like, I do believe that. I think in this world where like we have wars that are going on, we have a lot of volatility going on. I think this is something that people are energized by and not because it's perfect today, but because there's potential for a better future. And I think that's what gets people energized, right? Is like uh, a better lives for them, for themselves, for their families, for, for, for their whole community. Yeah. What, uh, what are, I'm interested, you know, when, when I talk to somebody about this space, right? Like I kind of go to them and I'm like, I try to like abstract philosophical. It sounds like we're kind of on the same page there, right? Like we're both, we both go about it. It's like, let me bend your mind a little bit. Right. But like, practically speaking, um, you know, if we were going to talk to our, you know, new friends that are, you know, designers at a, a company that they've, they've, they've done design. So they have some tech focus, right? Uh, and I'm, I'm assuming UX UI design, right? Not physical design. Um, and, and that like, where, where would you say the best entry point is? Like, is it just to go buy crypto? Is it to look at NFTs? Uh, and I know you're, it's, it could depend on the, the, that particular person, but what are some avenues, I guess, that you would do and then why? Yeah. So I, I think even before the avenue of like, this is what you should go and do about it. I, I think it's again, meeting them where they are so they can, they can really understand the fundamental shift that is, that is happening. Right. So like one of my favorite examples that I don't know, even know if I've explained this out loud. So hopefully this, this makes sense is this idea of interoper, uh, interoperability, right. Of before, like if you are on Facebook, you can't really take much that's in Facebook and take it to, to Twitter. And you can't necessarily take what's in Twitter and take it to Snapchat, like very, very limited ability to, to be able to, to do that. Um, versus now, um, like you, the, 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 one of the promises of the metaverse is that things will be interoperable and you can bring things back back and forth. And as I was wrapping my head around that, I still couldn't really get it until I started thinking about talent. Right. And I started thinking about like the traditional web two job where you have um, a nine to five, and you sign a contract and you're not allowed to work on other things and you essentially belong to this specific company. But I think the the, the way the world is moving is to quote um, one of your favorite bloggers, Packy McCormick, uh, the great online game where we're moving to a world of super liquid teams. And instead of having to have one company own you, you can potentially move in between these other networks. So if I was talking to a designer, I would say, okay, instead of being full-time at Facebook, and them essentially owning you, what if you were an independent consultant or an independent contractor or an independent designer, and you can work with this DAO for this particular project, you can work on your own project for a certain thing, you can go freelance for this company at a certain thing, and the upside opportunity is that much more because you you are on on your own, right? So I, I think the way I would explain it to them is really try and speak speak their language and kind of pull some of these principles and make it uh, applicable to to their life. Like the, the other place where I think this is really relevant, especially when pitching a designer, is what we're doing at, at VectorDAO, right? And I think one of the, the reasons we're able to um, recruit the best talent in, in crypto is, is because the, the ownership opportunities are so much bigger than working for a traditional company. So at a traditional company, you sign on for a, a full-time salary and get a little bit of equity and that equity vests over a, a certain period of time, usually, usually over four, four years. Um, versus what, what we're able to do is we build V1 of, um, a, a crypto protocol or company's brand and, or product design. 
and we take equity for that instead of instead of cash. And really what that does is it allows us to be able to recruit the best talent in the game who wants to have a seat at the table, right? This is this is our version of being able to get on their cap table instead of writing checks, we do it through through contribution. And this idea of aligned incentives and being able to be owners and not necessarily uh, just service providers is really, really powerful to a lot of people who don't necessarily have that opportunity. And then the whole client to, um, to to studio dynamic completely flips on its head. All of a sudden, we are very aligned with who we're working with. We're almost like creative co-founders. Like long after a project is over, we're still getting calls from them around what to do um, and how to be able to um, help them execute on their vision. And that's because we, we have skin in the game and we're now playing for the same team instead of opposite teams. So again, like I think real tangible examples that kind of speak their language are kind of these, these things that start opening up people's people's minds a little bit. Yeah, that's a great answer. That, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, and it is interesting. I'm glad you kind of dove into the uh, the vector DAO structure and how you're doing that. I guess, you know, just to play devil's advocate a little bit here, could, could you do the same thing in, a, in between an agency and a client without a DAO? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, I think... You could, but it would be a lot harder, right? So I think one of the things that makes our model so appealing is it's 100% opt-in. So if you're working in a, the, the traditional way of working is, um, you know, if, if I'm leading an agency and I have a team, um, like, and I bring in a project, somebody has to work on it, whether they kind of want to or not, right? That's kind of what they sign, sign up for and doing it versus like we have this, this roster of talent um, and roster, roster of specialists who are like perfect for certain things and who have a tremendous amount of passion for certain things. So when, when we get a project who comes in the door, we say, hey, we're thinking about this, who's excited by this? And, and people raise their hand who are either incredibly passionate about DeFi or incredibly passionate about NFTs or is a specialized 3D artist. So we're able to form a super team who is incredibly passionate and excited. And I think that's what gets founders incredibly jazzed is like, they want people who care as much as them. Right. And like, that's what I think we're best in the world out of. Can we match you with people who are not only the best in the world at what they do, but who care just as much as you. And like that, that is an equation that's, that's really hard, I think, to, to mimic in, in the centralized world. So it's almost like, it's like compounds. Like you've got the ownership aspect you might be able to facilitate in a non-decentralized way, but what makes that complete is the fact that everybody on the agency side is aligned the way they are because they're in the DAO. I think right? so. And I, and I think because we work with Web3 companies, it's just native to what we do, right? We're eating our own dog food, right? So like it's, you know, if, if, this, if we were working all on Web2 companies, like it's... Agencies in the past have been able to either take equity or they raise a, a fund alongside of their agencies and then in the winners they, they invest, right? Like that, that we didn't reinvent the, the wheel here. I think this just makes so much sense and is so native and so authentic to, to Web3 that um, Web3 founders really want to work with us, right? They want somebody who's on their side and they want somebody who's on their cap table who thinks and operates just, just like them. And I think our, our model really complements that. A beautiful thing and and you, and you start to wonder once all this pent-up talent starts to realize how much of a more comfortable and inviting environment a wag me environment you know we all go make it right uh it is the power of the work that you can do right 
100%. And I think that's like also where the power of reputation comes through and what you were talking about with things being transparent um, and also just the relationships that you're building. Like in this world where we're almost all independent operators, but highly, highly collaborative, reputation is, is never going to be more, more important. And it's not just going to be about the work that you do. Cause like great, great work is table stakes, right? It's, it's almost in how you do that and how you work with people. Um, because people are only going to want to collaborate with, with people who are best in the world of their craft and who are nice. Um, because the, the opportunity cost to, to, to not do that is, is just way too high. Interesting. So it's like the person, it's almost like the personal side is shining, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like we are our own version of a pro like uh, a product. And like, like that's, that's where the power of personal brand is really, I think like starting to, to, to have a moment. Right. And I think it's going to continue to shine that um, individuals are essentially like the, the next big brands and the next big corporations. And we're seeing that happen all over web three. And we're seeing that happen all, all over Twitter. And um, that's, that's why it's important to, to be a good human. And um, I, th I think that's also where some of the, the complexity comes around being anonymous or being pseudonymous. And like, even as somebody who um, is an active participant in the web three economy, like sometimes I've had um, pseudonymous potential clients who I've talked to and they're, they're, it raises so many interesting questions. Right. And like, again, like this is one of the things that is so new to me and I don't necessarily have an opinion on yet, but I find tremendously energizing of, can you have a really successful client relationship with somebody you don't necessarily know, know who it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, yeah, from a client relationship or, or just a friendship, right. Uh, I have to say I've made more friends digitally in the past year than I've made it IRL and I don't lead a 90% digital life by any means. Right. Um, but I spend a lot of time, uh, or, or I get to know a lot of people that by virtue of being part of the communities that I've identified that I like, I tend to get along with well. <laughs> and I, th I think that is the power of community. And I also think that is the superpower of, of Twitter, right? That like, as our lives become more and more digital, right? Like Facebook is where your, your friends and family um, connect if, if we're even on, on there anymore, right? Like same with, with Instagram, it's mostly people we know, occasionally some influencers or celebrities where we don't, but I think why Twitter will continue to grow and flourish is because it's the place to be able to meet everybody you want to know who you necessarily haven't yet. Right. And the way you do that is by sharing your thinking and by sharing your, your thoughts. And I think, um, like that is my bookcase for Twitter and why I think it will con continue to flourish over, over the years. Do you think they'll embrace web three enough? It's already, I mean, the interesting thing about Twitter, at least from my perspective, is that it's always been the best place to learn and share knowledge in terms of the social media platforms, right? But never really monetize. So it's kind of like, like monetize well, I should say, right? So like, regardless of that, what Web3 is allowing is now what we've always known is the most valuable, which is the sharing, the discussion, the people you meet on, on there. It's now thrust into the forefront, right? And monetization is not necessarily a direct concern because they're facilitating the relationships that are creating Web3. Now, I'll be interested to see how Twitter, what Twitter does in the next few years, right? Um, as I mean, it, we're all competing. I said one of the other big barriers around this is like fatigue. Um, it takes a lot more energy to go into Discord and, you know, interact with 12,000 notifications rather than to just respond to text messages on your phone when you feel like it. 
Now, some of those relationships may move to that, but when it comes to like managing the community, there is a active participant component. Have you gone through that before? Like, have you, have you ever, like, are you in discord? Like how much are you in discord? You know, how do you view that? Like, uh, web three socialization kind of landscape. Yeah. Great, great question. I, I think it's something you have to be extremely intentional about. Otherwise it's too easy to get overwhelmed and burned out. And I think even when you are intentional about it, it, it still happens. I'm, I'm still figuring it out. I'm, I'm by no means an expert. I think what I, my, my best practices are putting, um, notifications on mute, except for at mentions. Um, and really trying to even just mute notifications and not check the app on, on the weekends and giving, giving yourself opportunities to, to be able to, to recharge. I, th I think this is also where um, the power of curation is really going to come through, right? Like still right now, it's information coming at us at, at all angles at, at all times. I think um, there will be some level of curation that's, that, that, that we're going to see, whether that's Web3 specific or potentially even with Web2 also, right? Like I still spend a lot of time on, on Twitter and a lot of Web2 platforms, and this isn't a Web3 specific problem. I think this is just a, a cultural problem of humans aren't necessarily designed to get this much information coming at them at every single second of the day. And I think that's why you see a lot of us talking about burnout, talking about self-care, talking about uh, balance, because I think it's incredibly important. Otherwise, we're not going to have the energy to sustain us to be able to do this over over the long haul. Yeah, at least until we get like Neuralink, right? <laughs> Sign me up, Alon. Hit me up. I'm yeah, down. that's that's the that's the that's the <laughs> other Alon. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is Elon with an O E L O N. <laughs> I mean, it's you know. I mean, ingesting content is enjoyable for me. I can't assume it's like that for everybody, but I feel like you and I share that, right? But we, we do have to be careful. You can, you can try to ingest too much. Um, and, and it's just, it's a very serious thing. So, you know, make sure we're taking care of our well being. Um, if you need advice on running, uh, both of us will talk to you about that for hours. Um, it's a great way to unplug. So, although I've listened to podcasts while I run anyway, so who knows if you're really say, turning that's, it that's off. where you get most of your content. Yeah. I say, yeah. I mean, why we have access to the greatest thinker. I think I've taken part in the self curation in that sense and that I've, you know, kind of just been this, uh, I try to maintain the, uh, Basically one podcast slightly straying away or one family of podcasts now that uh, Patrick O'Shaughnessy has built out his whole joint Colossus group. Because um, you could look up, I want a podcast on, you know, Web3 and it's like 14,000 of these, right? So you got to be able to find the, the good people there. Do you think they'll be... I just wonder, just doing a thought experiment, do you think it'll be curation services? Do you think there'll be solutions? Do you think it's going to have to be people taking the, the bull by the horns and doing it themselves? What do you think will help? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And to be honest, I don't, I don't have the answer. I think if we take a look at some things that have been successful in the past, I think the step before curation is awareness, right? So I think that like understanding how much content you're observing throughout the day is the the kind of the first step at kind of establishing a baseline and seeing where you're at and seeing where that baseline compares to maybe the the healthy amount. So if I take a look at um, 
you know, apps like on the iPhone where it tells me how much screen time I have per week, right? Or if I take a look at my my Aura Ring that tells me how my my sleeping is. Before saying that I'm a good sleeper or bad sleeper, I need to establish a baseline and say, okay, how much am I sleeping and what is the quality compared to the the norm, right? And then I then I try things such as you know like maybe not drinking and seeing what that does uh, to my sleep. Uh, I, I stop eating early in order to see what that, that does to my sleep, and I try different experiments to see how I feel and compare and contrast. So I imagine that's probably where where this starts, right? Sometimes that might come from technology, but I think oftentimes it comes from personal responsibility. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to do is just build more silence into into my day. Um, so I've been um, I, I meditate first thing in the morning, and I am trying to build in a second smaller afternoon meditation in order to just get a little bit of silence throughout the day. Uh, I like you love running and love love podcasting. I'm trying to carve out 15 minutes of no music, no podcasting throughout my run, just to observe the small little things that are happening in nature and the world. And just to give, give my brain a break. Um, I am still figuring this out as we go. So I will keep you posted, but what I like to do is just kind of start with these small little experiments and kind of see, see what they evolve into. Um, sometimes it's, it's nothing. And other times it can be a pretty uh, transformational uh, effect. Yeah. The agile lifestyle, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Like, you're literally like you're just going in, and you've got a like. No one knows the perfect solution for you, so you go in, and you're like, okay, what's the first thing I need to test out? Uh, my sleep, okay. And the sleep gets better when maybe I don't eat right before bed. Maybe we try something called intermittent fasting, which I'm sure we've never talked about before. Uh, you know, maybe we try uh, not drinking alcohol, but like it. The reason that you know to do that is because we've got all this information at our fingertips. So it's kind of like a, a flywheel almost of like, hey, I want to keep absorbing this good information, but I can also curate that information so that I can put myself in the best position uh, long term to maintain my well-being too. Well-being is something we've got to focus on. It's huge in the NFT communities. Like you alluded to, I'm bigger on the NFT side of things. Uh, and you're starting to see discords get turned off on Sundays, right? You're starting to see slow mode Sundays or slow mode Saturdays, uh, yoga. Uh, I met this awesome person inside of one of my communities, philosophical foxes, holla. It's a great community, a bunch of great thinkers philosophizing quite literally philosophizing. And in this kind of like movement, which I think is very much an enlightenment for people. Uh, those are the type of communities I think have staying power, but there's one individual in that community that I've spent a little bit of time with recently uh, named Chris. And Chris is developing a very interesting well-being offering to these communities where he realizes all of the struggles that we all go through and, and all of that. And just like in general, outside of Web3, when you're going through something, it helps to talk about it. Okay. And so he's got this super unique way of you sharing your shame. It's called shame shared. And he mints it as an NFT. Right. And, you know, these are like the Web3 native ways that we're going to start focusing on well being. Right. It's almost like we're, is therapizing a word, therapizing ourselves. Um, we have that ability now. Now, that doesn't mean don't use therapists. I saw one for a very long time. They're very helpful. Um, but like 
you're seeing like everybody wants everybody to be in a, in a good place and they realize the burnout and just like the business model they're pursuing the NBA team, they're pursuing um, the, you know, shared income that someone is pursuing. They want to see everybody succeed. And, you know, obviously this is a bit of my idealistic view, but I mean, I'm really starting to see it transform from, wind down, wind moon, wind rocket ship, whatever into, Hey, I'm building this for the long run. I'm not going to give you updates every single day. Right. What I understand is that this community can accomplish things together. And then you go into the community and say, what are you trying to accomplish? What's your like, core philosophical belief as opposed to when are you dropping the next free NFT? You know, when am I going to get more value out of this? But in turn, you're still getting to monetize socializing, right? Monetization of socializing. This has never been done before. And I think that's what freaks a lot of people out that have never heard of this. So I I 100% agree, right? I think everybody has their own systems. And I I think it's just around bringing awareness to, to balance. And I think one of the most exciting things about being in Web3 is just the amount of opportunity to be able to get involved, to be able to contribute, um, to be able to see upside. But I think that if um, we're not careful, that sometimes we can get overwhelmed and we can get burned out. And it's what's what's the point of all of this if we're just going to be um, have have empty gas gas tanks um, uh, all the way around? No, no pun intended. You know. Um, so I, I, I think it's, it's pretty important for all of us to um, be as mindful of this as possible and to also remind our friends who are also in the space um, that like we don't have to be 24-7 every second of, of the day, giving them permission to you know, turn, turn their phone off every now and then to get together in real life and just you know, go, go to the beach or go for a run or what, whatever it is. That's, that's not necessarily um, in, in, front of a, in front of a Discord. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I think that's honestly, that's a great place to wrap up. I think, you know, we've kind of touched on what are the basics of Web3. We've touched on how does one live a life in Web3 and all the different avenues, the reassignment of incentives. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Do you want to let us know where we can get in touch with you if we want to uh, talk to you a little bit more where the guests can talk to you? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This was this was really fun um, to, to push record on, on one of these conversations. You can find me at, um, at Elon, E-L-A-N, underscore Miller on Twitter. Um, and yeah, that's that's probably the, the best best place to find me. Um, shoot, shoot me a note, would, would be fun to connect. Yeah, he's a great follow. I have to say I'm quite entertained every time you tweet on him. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining Web3 with me. Make sure to follow us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review as it'll help us reach more people. If you want to connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter at offedge underscore. Thanks for vibing in the verse with me and hope you'll join us next time.